So we get to wrap up the series today of our Love Talk series, and if you've uh, missed any of those, you can check those back up online. We've given you some great opportunities to kind of learn what it means to, uh, to speak love, to how, to how to improve your love talk, how to say the words of love. We've also talked a little bit of how to have a safe, a, f- a good fight with someone that you love. Who here has had a good fight since you've heard that message? Who here has had a bad fight since you heard that message? Yeah. I love how one person raised their hand and their spouse did it. Okay, that's, yeah, that's the fight, that fight's still going on, right? So, hey, we're, we're excited about it. Last week, we talked a little bit about how to listen, uh, how it's important to be silent when we need to be quiet, and how that actually improves our words. And today, I'm going to wrap it all up and talk about the most important things that we can say. There are some words that are so, so important that if we capture those, I believe our love talk improves exponentially. So we're excited about that. We're We're going to start a new series next week. It's called All In, how you kind of commit it all to to church, commit it all to Jesus. And we're going to do that for four weeks starting in, in February. So come back next week for All In. But we can talk about love words today. Do you know that the words that you say have power beyond what you really think they have? I mean, words are something that we always kind of fill in. I mean, throughout time, the word is what has its own power. And you know this, because there are things that people have said to you that you still remember. And those weren't nice things that were said, and even though it was a long time ago, and some of you can't even visualize the face of the person who actually said the words, but you know the words, the label, the title, the nastiness. And maybe in those moments of insecurity or that moment of, of thinking back on it or maybe it's a picture you see or, or another conversation or you hear the same words show up in, in media or in television or in a movie and it just comes flooding back, doesn't it? That word, those words have power. Now, words are what brings power. One of the greatest, uh, you haven't seen the Bible series that came out a few years ago? It was a TV series. Um, was put on the guy who, the producer behind Survivor, um, John Burnett. And, and he does a great job kind of telling the story of the whole Bible. And the very first scene is my favorite scene of that whole series. It's got Noah and all his kids tossing and turning in this big boat. And Noah is telling them the story of creation. He's telling them the story of the first few chapters of Genesis. He's telling them, walking them through day by day by day of what it is. And and, and the the cool part about that is, is that's how the stories, the words had power. They weren't written down. They were passed. They were spoken. And if the words just stay up here, they never have power. It's the words that come out of our mouth have power, have importance beyond what we think they might have. And you know, like I said, you know this is true. If those words come from someone that you love or someone that you respect, they have even more power. I remember when I was a teenager, I, we did a car wash. Who has ever been in youth group and done a car wash? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's the, kind of, the basic way you get money for youth group. And we were doing something, and, and we had uh, a car wash there, and no one was coming to the car wash. We couldn't get anyone there. So even back then, I don't, it makes, 
it's kind of comical, but they put all the pretty girls out front with signs so that, they, so that they would come to the car wash. And all the dudes were back washing cars and all the girls were outside. I didn't really make sense why they would do that. Now it makes total sense. And I actually, in the moment, I thought, I don't want to wash cars anymore. I want to go out there. I want to go out there and I want to get people to sign up. Now, I know I'm not a pretty girl and I never will be a pretty girl. And, um, but I thought that that would be a better job for me. So I actually walked out of there and I thought, what would get people to come? I don't know why I thought this through. It makes total, no sense to me now. It, it actually boggles my mind. But I had this idea that if I was to roll up my pants and take off my shirt and hold the sign right here, that people might want to get a car wash. <laughs> now I realize that's a good way to get arrested. In that moment, I, I made that stupid mistake. And like I said, I don't know why I did that, but, but I actually did something in that moment that I'd never, ever, ever done before. Because anytime in public, I was so embarrassed about the way that my body looked that I never took my shirt off in public. I was like so skinny that you could see my ribs. I was so skinny that you could see all the little bones in my back. And I was so embarrassed, so self-conscious about that, I never took my shirt off. In fact, when I would go swimming, I would always wear a shirt. Anytime that I'd have to take my shirt off, I made sure that I kept my shirt on and no one else could see it. But for some stupid reason, here I am at the car wash, ripping off my shirt and pulling up my legs and holding the sign right here, thinking it's a bright idea. Well, in that moment, my mom, who's the chaperone for there, looks over and says, Who's that white Ethiopian out there? <laughs> That's pretty funny, right? Those words, though, hurt. They came from my mom. It was funny because even this morning, I'm sharing this story with Mary, and we're both laughing, and she says, Oh, I love you, my white Ethiopian. And I thought, No, I don't like those words. Call me something else. Those words still hurt. I don't know why. That was such a long time ago. And I was completely stupid back then. Why do those words hurt so much? Well, it's because words have power. Words mean something more than what we think they mean. And when we talk about our relationships, we talk about the way we communicate, we realize that there is an importance to words that we need to say and not say the things that are important. Now, I understand this might be a, a concept that you kind of get, but I'm going to tie it in also to the, to the Bible, because I think the Bible understood this as well. And if you, you want to read it with me in John chapter 1, this is John's gospel it's his stories of Jesus. And the first part of his story, John chapter 1, verse 1, he starts out with a very theological point, very heady point, talking about the word and how it brings importance. This is what it says. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 2, he's changing the idea. He's renaming, he's rephrasing the concept of word. He says, he, the word is a he, and he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, through this word, and nothing was created except through him. 
The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, this is incredibly deep, and I don't know why John just right out of the first part of his story starts popping these deep theological points on us. I wish he'd done a little better, like, hi, my name is John, let me tell you about Jesus, and kind of worked us up to it. But we jump in with two, two feet right into the deep end, trying to understand what he's talking about. And let me, let me kind, of, kind of spell it out for you. He's talking about Jesus. And the reason he's doing this, the reason he's giving Jesus a title, a name, giving him power, and actually calling him the word. He's saying Jesus is alive. Jesus existed at the very beginning. And Jesus, the Word, is with God, connected to God. And this Word is also God himself, is godly, is holy. This Word is alive. You see, the Word is what is the power that we connect with God, connect with who we are. And he is saying, if you want to get a hold of this, if you want to speak any word that's loving, caring, it needs to come from this place apart from ourselves. It needs to come from something holy. It needs to come from God. And the God Word is Jesus. The God-living Word is Jesus. In fact, I'm going to make a point today that I don't think we are really capable of saying anything lasting and powerful and good except in the person and presence of Jesus. If we really want to understand this idea of how to say the important word, it begins with this relationship and this connection to the person of Jesus. Now, I know that that might be a hard thing for some of you to swallow. Some of you are right there with me. Yes, I, I'm, I'm right there. All right. Well, he kind of unpacks this later. In fact, he shares many different stories through the book of John. If you've never read the book of John, I encourage you to do that. He, he traces the stories of Jesus. And it's very interesting to me to see the way that Jesus communicates at each level throughout the stories. It kind of un involves, involves between all this idea of who he is as the word come alive. In fact, I'm going to read this story to you. This is a story, some of you might know this. I want you to pay attention as we read this story to the communication that's going on. Not just the words that are being said, but maybe some deeper communications that we're not just picking up on. Okay, this is what the story is. Some of you know this. It says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back at the temple. The Mount of Olives is just outside Jerusalem. There's actually a valley there. He goes down through the valley, comes back up to the temple, um, into the temple. And uh, he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered. He began to sat down and teach them. Now let's talk about the communication that's happening here, okay? He's teaching them. He's speaking to them. Before that, he leaves. He spends time in quietness and in solitude. We talked about that last week. The importance of silence, that if you're not going to be silent, then it actually takes away the importance of what you speak. And so Jesus realizes this, frames his words, comes back, and then the people come to him. Why? Because he's saying something different. Now, now hear me. I don't think he's actually saying different words, but he's saying something that's never been said. He's saying something different in the way that he operates, and they're drawn to him. They're at the temple. They're seeking God, and yet they're going to this teacher for new insight 
new concepts because there's something about him. As he was speaking, as the words are coming out of his mouth, the communication is already existing in this moment, the words are happening, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in the front of the crowd. Now, I can't imagine like this being in a speaking um, uh, situation like this, and the doors open, and here come the elders of the church, and they're dragging this person that we all know is terrible person, prostitute, sinful person, and they put her right in the front pew because no one sits in the front pew, right? That's what they do. And you all know who she is, and I know who she is, and they know who she is. There's a lot of communication happening here, and nothing's being said, but we all know what's being communicated, right? Do you get it? Do you feel the communication here? All right, teacher, they asked Jesus. They said to Jesus, the communication from them to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says, the law of Moses communicates that we need to stone her. What do you communicate? What do you say? The law says that we have to kill her. So here she is. What do you think we should do? Now, they were trying to trap him into communicating, into saying something that they could use against him. And basically, he's stuck it out between, no pun intended, a rock and a hard place, because he can't say the right words here. Anything's going to put him in a bad spot, and probably no matter what he says, it's still going to get this lady killed. They're trying to trap him, and he understands this, and Jesus stoops down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, this is so amazing to me, and people throughout history have tried to understand what he wrote in the ground. I don't think it matters at the moment, because this is what Jesus is doing. This situation is bad. This situation has, has gotten terrible, gotten out of control. It's a lose-lose situation for Jesus and for the woman and pro- honestly for the teachers of the law. They don't know what they're mixed up with at the point. Uh, they all know that this is a bad, bad situation. Have you ever been in a bad, bad situation? You ever been in a relationship that you can't say anything good at that point? You've reached that point in your relationship where you just can't speak anything. It is so, so bad that there's nothing but quietness. There's no love there. Maybe it's not a relationship. Maybe it's not a a marriage relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with a coworker or a neighbor or a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter. Here's the amazing part is Jesus changes the situation. Jesus realizes that this scenario isn't the definition of what's going to happen. He operates on another level. And the word, the living word, stops down and just starts scribbling in the dirt. And in that moment, things change. The situation changes. And in that moment, regardless of what he wrote in the ground, there's hope. There's a different possibility that has existed before out of this terrible situation. Keep going. They kept demanding for an answer, so he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. You, you back there, you look like you've never sinned. Here's your rock. Come on up here. Come on up here. I'll hold her for you. Don't miss. Don't hit me. Hit her. Okay, she's the center, 
right? You, over there, come on, come on, I'll give you a big boulder. You can go walk right in front of her. It's kind of like a one shot and she's down kind of thing. You can stand right here. You're the one that you've never said before. Come here, come here, you're right here, okay? Stand right here and then she's right there. All you gotta do is just kind of throw it at her. Who you, who, who is it? The one who's never sinned can come forward and throw the stone. Well, you know what happens. Actually, he doesn't even wait for an answer. He goes right back to scribbling in the dirt. Then Jesus stood up again. We don't hear what happens, but we get an idea of what it is, right? And said to the accusers, where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Some of us have been in those situations where our conversations have just imploded everything. I'm here to say that that's not the end for you. Okay, let me just take, take, a, take a side trip for just a moment because some of you really, really resonate with this woman. Some of you have, have done things that are just terrible and, and you know that about yourself and you, you like this idea that even though she was caught in sin, you can be caught in sin and you can be brought to Jesus and no one's condemning you and you walk off scot-free. And I think that's beautiful. I think anytime you come to Jesus, there will be grace. But also notice, that don't miss the opportunity what he says to her. He says, I don't condemn you. There's grace for me. But then he says what? Go and sin no more. That's a hard thing to swallow. Go and be holy. Go and stop sinning. There's always this tension with Jesus of grace and truth. There's always this tension of, yes, I accept you, but I've got better plans for you. And if you just focus on the truth of Jesus, you'll miss the words of Jesus. And if you just focus on the grace of Jesus, you'll miss the words of Jesus because it is a tension and sometimes it's messy. Believe me, I work in a church. I work with people that are, are needy at times and it doesn't always line up pretty. But that's Jesus and this tension between grace and truth. So let me give you some, just some concepts. You can fill them in on your handout there if you want. Give me some concepts of how we improve our love talk, how we say the important stuff. The first thing that we can do is know that we were created to connect through love talk. We were created to connect through love talk. You cannot have a relationship without communication. You can't improve your relationship without communication. It's impossible and I'm not talking words because sometimes communication goes far beyond that. I believe it does. And if you hear, you hear John's word. What did he say? He said, the word, Jesus existed from the beginning, right? And then he said what? The last thing he said is that Jesus is godly. Jesus is heavenly. Jesus is God. And in the middle of that, what does he say? Jesus was with God. We connect through communication. Our connection to God is through Jesus He's the word spoken into our lives. He realized where we were in that situation, caught in our sin, similar to the situation with the woman. And instead of saying, yep, 
No hope for you. Stinks. Bring some offerings to me. Try to win me over. He sends his son to connect us. And our love talk, the things we say that are positive and, and lovely and encouraging and reflect Jesus are the ways that we connect with others. We also, our love talk is displayed in our actions, in our words. Our love talk is displayed in our actions and in our words. In other words, I'm not talking about nonverbals. Yes, that's part of communication. We all know that. I'm talking about the life that we live. And that's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus never, never wrote a book. You may say, well, the Bible. Well, he never wrote it. You know, Jesus never traveled more than 100 miles from his house. You know, Jesus never had the benefit of multimedia. He was never interviewed on CNN or Fox News. He's not on Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat, right? He can't communicate. He's never been a part of that. But you can make the point, not necessarily, I mean, I think he has weight for us today, but you can make the point historically that his words have changed the world. You can go to almost any country in the world and find Jesus' words spoken. Some written in different languages, same words. Some have built churches. Some have crumbled churches. Some have built relationships. Some have crumbled relationships. But it doesn't change the fact that his words have power. And I want to say it's not because of the words. It's because his life was communication. And you know this is true. Who here is married and ever said something to their spouse that they didn't want, they wish they could take back? Good. Mar this happens to Mary and I. We love each other deeply. And she's said some words to me before in the past, and I've said some words to her. And it's like, as soon as you speak that word, you see it come out of your mouth almost. It's invisible, but you see it coming out, and you try to grab it, right? You try to like, oh, no, come back here, come back here. And you try to hide it, or you try to force it back down. You guys know what this is, right? You've been there, but those words have power. And as soon as you see it move their lips, you try to grab it. You, try, you, wish, it could, you wish it could get it back, and then you see it rest in them, and you can see it in their eyes. And it cuts you deep to the core. Now, Mary and I have done this in our life. She said some words to me that have really, really hurt me. And I've said some words to her that have really, really hurt her. So why are we still together? It's because those words don't define our relationship, right? So words aren't what we just say in the moment. It's about this connection. It's about the life that we live and how it plays out over time. One of the great verses in the Old Testament talk about love and faithfulness and bind them around your heart. The, the Hebrew word for love is the word hesed, and it's a beautiful word. It's so rich. It's got so many nuances and meanings. It's in poetry everywhere, and the word faithfulness is the most boring, stupid, exact, smallest word in all of Old Testament literature. It's just the boringest word. You look it up, it has one meaning. This is what it means, faithfulness. Has said is beautiful and it can have different nuances and it's in poetry and, and faithfulness is nothing. But you know that together, 
It's like hesed is this beautiful emotion that you get to express. And faithfulness is how long you express it. Together, it brings this power to your love words. So I got four things. I got four things that you can say that are the most important phrases. And I think if you can speak these four things well, your love talk will improve beautifully. The number one is you need to say, I love you. Some of you, can I say this? Some of you stink at saying I love you, especially to the people that you love. Do you know in the Greek language, some of you know this, there's four words for the word love. And the word that gets a lot of play in church circles is the Greek word agape. Who's heard that word before? Agape love literally means self-sacrificial love. And so it's one thing to say, hey, I love you because you're really, really attractive. That's not this kind of love. And you can say, hey, I love you because I have to right? I love you because you're family. No, that's not this kind of love. And the other kind of is, I love you because we have a lot of shared things. We like to hang out. We like to do things together. We have a lot of shared, shared things. We're friends. That's not this kind of love. This love, God's love for us is I love you and I want to love you and take nothing for myself. Self-sacrificial love. It means I love you more than I love me. And this is the love that Jesus gave, the love that God gave. For God so agape, so loved the world that he gave part of himself to die and suffer for you so that you could be connected to him. Agape, love. Not just, I, I love you. you. Some of you um, need to say, I'm sorry. And some of you really, really stink at saying, I'm sorry. And, and the reason you stink at your saying, I'm sorry, because you add this three-letter word after I'm sorry. It's the word, but. Some of you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but here's why I did it. But, but, but I had this going through my mind, or I had this concept. This is why you need to, to do it. Or some of you don't even go to the, I'm sorry. You just start with the but. I'm sorry. Have humility. It's so, so key. You are not perfect. But in a relationship, it's okay not to be perfect. Own it. Grow from it. And admit it. Move on. You can trust me. You can trust me. Some of you have no idea what trust is. Some of you think that you can be trusted, but you take that one thing shared to you and you immediately go tell someone else. I had a pastor friend of mine. He's passed away now. Um, he used to say to me, Shane, can, can I take you into confidence? I'm like, ooh, that sounds like such a cool phrase, doesn't it? Hey, Shane, can I, can I take you into confidence? I never said no. Because I felt valued that he was willing to trust me with something. And then what if I would have taken that and not kept it in confidence? Would I have broken his trust? 
The other thing you can say is I'm proud of you. And this is so key because our relationships and our conversation needs not just to be seasoned for ourselves so that we feel good. We need to be improving other people. We need to be able to look at people and say, I'm proud of you. And if you say, I'm proud of you, that makes them feel good. And if it makes them feel good, they're probably going to do that again. They're probably going to improve. And if you can see something in them that they can't see in themselves and communicate and say, yeah, you're on the right track. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Chase it down. That's awesome. Good job. It's so encouraging. And it allows your love talk to improve. Now, I'm going to share a story where I totally failed at all four of these. You ready? We were traveling. This is my butt. I'm going to do the butt first so you can understand the context, right? The context. I, I'm go- I, uh, we were traveling. We packed up the car. We had this, this, this pilot. Um, was a Honda pilot. And the kids would, the two younger kids would sit in the back seat. And then we had the third row. And Hannah would sit in there. We just had one that would pop up. And then we packed up all these bags in front of it. Probably, you know, duffel bags and roller bags and probably tons of crates of diapers because that's my life. So we were all packed up in there and um, we go back, we parked someplace, we had to get something out of the back of the car and I walk around back and it's raining, it's kind of snowy and slushy and I open up the back thing and one of the bags, not my bag, of course it's never my bag, another bag falls and it falls and I'm frustrated anyway, I've got a lot of different things going on in my life, that's another story and as it falls down, it falls into this snow pile right in front of my feet and boom, it splashes all up the front of me and all all the, all the snow all over my feet and the bag is wet. And some of you are like, yeah, I've been there, Shane. And then I just let out the worst word I could think of. And Hannah turns around. What? Did you say, Dad? Well, I wasn't going to repeat it. <laughs> Once was enough. And she's got this spiritual gift that can take her from no tears to tears in milliseconds. And next thing you know, she's bawling. Because her dad said something that she knew was wrong. And she had this certain vision of what her dad is. And in a moment, in one word, I crushed it. And I'm not talking about saying the wrong word. I'm talking about the power of our words. So what did I do? After I picked up the dirty bag and put it in there, closed it, I went around to Hannah and I said, Hannah, you know that I love you, right? What can I, what can I tell you to make sure you know that I love you? You know, I'm sorry. I said, but I've been going through a lot, Hannah, and I really want you to understand that I, no, I didn't say that. I said, I'm sorry. Your dad was wrong. But dad, why did you say that word? And I said, Hannah, I know that you're hurt by this, and actually it makes me kind of happy in some way that you're hurt by this because it shows just how sweet you are. It shows how concerned you are about me. And I'm proud of you for that. And you can trust me 
moving forward that you won't hear me say that word again. And to this day, she never has. Not because it was a bad word, because it has power over her. So, band, come on up. We're going to close this way today. Um, there are four words I think we can improve on. In, in your more thoughts, there's a question there at the very end where you're supposed to think through which of those four phrases is the hardest for you to say and in which relationship is it the hardest to say it in. And I encourage you to, to chase that down in your small groups or your circle groups or your family groups or, or even around the dinner table or even in one, in one another or even in your own personal study. Just kind of do some reflection on that. What I want you to do today is, I, some of you are artistic people, some of you are visual people, some of you are neither. All three of you can participate, okay? What I want you to do is I want you to, if you're, if you're an artistic person, draw a call out. You know, a call out, a little voice bubble. Draw, take a piece of paper and just draw that out on you. Go, go and do it now. You've got, you got freedom. You can doodle in church. It's fine. So just draw that. It's like a little cone. Keep it in open and then circle. Or some of you want to do like clouds if it's a thought bubble, okay? Some of you are like, he's crazy. Okay, yeah, I am. All right, some of you just want to picture it, okay? Can you picture the call out? All right, some of you are neither, just kind of nod like this, okay? Now, what I want you to do is I want you to picture which of those four words you need to hear today and put it in that. Put it in your call out. Some of you need to hear I love you. Some of you need to hear I'm sorry. Some of you need to say you can trust me. Some of you need to hear I'm proud of you. But here's, here's the key part, Okay. Some of you need to hear those from God. Spoken through the word Jesus this morning. Some of you need to hear that I love you from God. That I, I gave part of myself for you. Some of, you. some of you need to hear that you can trust me from God. Oh God, my world is terrible. I mean, how could all these terrible things happen to me? Look at, I mean, look at this week. I mean, how, how can I trust? You can trust me. You can trust me. Some of you need to hear, I'm proud of you. Good job. You're on the right path. Now, not get into any kind of theological point, but some of us need to hear, I'm sorry from God. And again, this might bother you for a little, a little bit, but some of you have had terrible things happen to you and you blame God for those terrible things. Whether they came from God or not, that's the theological point I don't want you to worry about for right now. What I want you to hear from God is that he's sorry for where you're at. This hasn't been his plan. But just like riding in the dirt in some strange, terrible encounter there at the temple, he can change that situation. Because he can operate on a different level that you cannot see. Let him speak to you now. Let him draw you close. Let him hear you that you hear again that you're his friend, that he loves you, that he's sorry, that you can trust him, and that he's proud of you. Stand if you like.
Father, we come and we ask that you would draw us in and that you would speak. Speak, Father, through the living word to us today in Jesus' name.